This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. The discussion of problems in the Office of Public Instruction has turned into a political one. Two school board trustees wrote a letter of confidence Tuesday to Superintendent of Public Instruction Elsie Arnson after 12 superintendents around the state recently questioned her leadership. The latest letter was sent by Mike Gell, a trustee with Missoula County Public Schools, and Jim Riley, a trustee with Smith Valley in Kalispell. It includes the signatures of support from 21 state senators and representatives, all Republicans, and five other school board trustees, a Kalispell City County Board of Health member, and a Flathead County Commissioner. University of Montana football coach Bobby Houck and his wife Stacy Houck were also among those who signed, along with more than 500 other people. Quote, we thank you sincerely for the compassionate, professional, and steadfast support you offer to local school boards and, most of all, parents and students. We are so proud of you and the work you do, end quote. They lauded Arnson's, quote, positive response to parent and student interests, as well as her travels across the state to speak with parent groups, particularly about mask and equity policies, as well as critical race theory. Last week, Arnson said she would consider the suggestions in the superintendent's letter, quote, humbly and seriously. In a statement to the Missoulian, Arnson now says, quote, I reject the current continued negative narrative that seems to be politically driven. Her statement continues, My statewide work is to restore hope by embracing and engaging in the active role of parents and teachers in our children's learning. I invite all Montana school leaders to proactively seek collaborative solutions. She concluded by saying she'll host public listening sessions in the new year to engage all Montanans on how to better serve students. As expected, the Bureau of Land Management plans to move most of the agency's leaders back to Washington, D.C., Director Tracy Stone Manning told BLM staff in an email on Tuesday. Eight assistant directors and the deputy assistant directors will relocate to the Interior Department's headquarters in the District of Columbia. They will join the director, deputy director for policy and programs, and deputy director for operations positions that are already based in the nation's capital. The top two officials overseeing national conservation lands and community partnerships will remain in Grand Junction, Colorado, quote, to anchor the BLM's western headquarters, Stone Manning wrote. The Interior Department agency relocated to Grand Junction during President Donald Trump's term in what many saw as a polarizing attempt to move closer to the western lands that the BLM manages. Environmental activists and others objected to the Trump-era move, saying it drove knowledgeable career staff out of the agency and damaged its influence in policymaking circles in Washington. 
Earlier this year, Interior Secretary Deb Haaland announced a compromise to return the main headquarters to Washington and keep a western headquarters in Grand Junction. Nearly all BLM-managed areas are in the 12 western states and Alaska. About 30 vacant senior positions will be located in Washington, Stone Manning says. The location of other positions is still undecided. The moves reflected a goal to establish better engagement with interior officials and Congress while maintaining a presence in the West, according to Stone Manning. She also says the agency is working with congressional appropriations committees to reprogram existing funding to be used for the relocation. Despite indications on the federal level that run counter to their desires, Montana wildlife officials on Tuesday advanced plans that could allow grizzly bear hunting in areas around Glacier and Yellowstone National Parks. Montana Governor Greg Gianforte last month announced that the state intends to petition the Biden administration to lift threatened species protection for glacier area grizzlies. Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon is leading a similar push to end protections for Yellowstone area bears. As many as 50,000 grizzly bears were killed by hunting, trapping, and habitat loss following the arrival of European settlers in the late 1800s. Populations declined to fewer than 1,000 bears in the lower 48 states by the time they were given federal protection in 1975. Wildlife advocates have objected to the bid to lift protections, saying Republican state officials in the northern Rockies are intent on driving down populations of grizzlies and gray wolves. The last grizzly hunts in the U.S. outside of Alaska were in the early 1990s in Montana. When Yellowstone grizzlies lost protection under President Donald Trump, Wyoming and Idaho scheduled hunts for 22 bears in Wyoming and one in Idaho, with hunting permits offered by lottery. A federal judge restored protections, a decision later upheld by the 9th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service recommended in March that threatened species status be kept for grizzlies. The agency cited a lack of connections between the bears' best areas of habitat and people killing them, among other reasons. An Amtrak onboard service attendant who was injured while assisting survivors of an Amtrak derailment in September near Joplin is suing his employer and BNSF Railway for negligence. Tarek Payton filed suit in U.S. District Court in Great Falls, claiming Amtrak and BNSF were negligent in causing not only the accident, but exacerbating the fallout afterwards by not providing the training and tools needed to respond to the crash, by not discovering the track's defect, and not operating the train safely. Peyton alleges he received three weeks of training before starting work in August of 2021, and none of it focused on what to do in the event of a derailment or how to help surviving passengers and crew. The westbound Empire Builder was carrying 154 people when it derailed on September 25th, just west of Joplin, according to the National Transportation Safety Board.
Forty-four passengers and crew were taken to local hospitals with injuries, and three were killed. Damage was estimated by Amtrak at over $22 million. At the time of the crash, the NTSB reported the train's event log showed the train traveling between 75 and 78 miles an hour. The maximum allowable speed on that section of track was 79 miles an hour. Since the accident, Peyton claims to have been diagnosed with a head injury, shoulder injury, injuries to the discs, nerves, and connective tissue in his lower back, and with post-traumatic stress disorder. He says his injuries may require surgery. Quote, as a result of his injuries, Peyton incurred economic losses, among them lost income, lost pension benefits, and medical bills and will suffer economic losses in the future. That's according to the suit. The suit continues, Peyton has suffered from pain and distress caused by his injuries and will continue to suffer from pain and distress in the future. A preliminary report from the National Transportation Safety Board in October said the cause of the crash was still under investigation but the train's emergency brake had been deployed. A Montana woman has been accused of putting her father-in-law's name on a home mortgage and taking money from her in-law's Bismarck, North Dakota, bank account for the down payment. 56-year-old Carol Feist is being held at the Jefferson County Detention Center in Boulder, Montana, according to the jail roster. According to a police affidavit, Feist contacted a Bismarck bank in October using her mother-in-law's name and the in-law's account information to arrange a wire transfer to a title company in Helena. Charging documents say Feist financed the remainder of the $474,000 purchase price and produced notarized documents saying her father-in-law was the co-borrower. The Bismarck couple told police Carol Feist and her husband, Keith Feist, the couple's son, lived with them for a while in 2017. The couple did not authorize a wire transfer or sign property documents for the home in Helena, according to an affidavit. In addition, the police department's investigation showed the person listed as the notary was not licensed with the Secretary of State's office. Feist is charged with felony theft and unauthorized use of personal identifying information to obtain credit. Each count carries a possible 20-year prison sentence. Court records do not list an attorney for her. Redistricting in Montana has moved to a new phase, with the state's commission now tasked with drawing lines at the state level. An organization representing the interests of Native Americans in the state wants to ensure the commission keeps their interests in mind. Tajin Perez, deputy director of the group Western Native Voice, noted drawing lines for state lawmakers is a more complicated process than congressional redistricting. Perez explains, because the congressional map really only looked at two districts, they're going to be looking at well over 100 districts. Perez contends it is important to keep communities of interest, such as Native communities, on the reservation together to ensure political representation. 
Perez says factors such as an undercount of Native Americans in the 2020 census will also affect district lines, but he believes Montana Redistricting Commission generally has done a good job because of its unique setup. Quote, some states have their legislature create a subcommittee based on partisanship and the breakdown of majority versus minority in those state houses. Perez continued, so we're very fortunate to have an independent process here. The commission has to finish its legislative district map in 2022. Yellowstone National Park has opened its roads to over-snow vehicles for the winter season. After suspending a wildlife monitoring program that found snowmobiles and other such machines were having only a minimal effect on wildlife. The monitoring program for snowmobiles and larger multi-passenger snow coaches began in 2012. Observations by wildlife workers of more than 1,100 groups of animals over the seven years found that 95% of bison and 80% of trumpeter swans either had no response to over-snow vehicles or a look-and-resume response, meaning the animals would look up and then resume what they had been doing. If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. Made in Montana News is podcast worldwide with listeners in 46 U.S. states and Canadian provinces in 24 countries on six continents. Made in Montana News is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH 100.1 FM in Helena, Mountains Radio KEMR in Jefferson County, Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, and ResCast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.